Lord, I thank you. I thank you for moments we now share. I thank you for every single individual in this room that you love desperately, relentlessly, and unconditionally. I thank you, Father, that you are with us and that you are for us. I thank you, Lord, for each season of our spiritual journey, for those who are new to following you, for those who are considering following you, and for those who have been following you for a little bit. Meet us all today right where we are, and thank you for your love. And Lord, as you lay out the game plan, help us not to deviate from it. Help us to hold on to your promises, which are yes and amen. We pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen and amen. Pretty good at one time. <laughs> You're always open. <laughs> that's, that's a true story of Ray. He's always open. <laughs> but um, I don't want you to be confused. Although I'm holding a football in my hand, the game plan is not about a football game. It's not about any athletic competition. It is about the game of life, your life. It's about your marriage. It's about your finance. It's about your children. It's about being able to be in a healthy, sustainable relationship in which you're honored and respected. It's about how you live and who you're going to follow. At the end of the day, uh, the new year kicks off with this whole thing, resolutions. And I realized something about resolutions. They seem to be driven by selfish pursuits. Some of us want to lose weight so that come April and May, we can fit into some outfits that we shouldn't fit into. So we're losing weight so that we can be seen. Solomon sort of sums it up when he says, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. See, I don't believe in resolutions. I really don't. I've tried them. I'm still eating chocolate. I tried to lose weight. I still got a keg. But I want to encourage you today as we continue to dive into this series of game plan that you kind of hear what God is saying because the important thing is that there is a coach that we need to fire. There is a coach that hasn't won a game. There is a coach that's sending in plays that you're still running that are causing you to be oppressed, depressed, and suppress your deepest soul need. And I want to encourage you today to fire that coach. Because first and foremost, he has not won a game yet. And it's important for us as we continue to speak about the game plan and this series that we're in, that today I want to talk to you about the coach and how important it is for us to follow the coach and to listen to the coach. Amen? I want you to consider a man who had only three years to train 12 men he had recruited, eventually cutting one and fielding 11, opposing an umpire to carry out a game plan that would require a great deal of obedience and no pay, and eventually would lead to their deaths. None were superstars, 
that in that time he managed to lead them by example, instruct them in what to do, and encourage them in such a way to help them reach a potential they never imagined they could. And the scriptures we're about to read speak about Jesus. Point to Jesus. And of course, our response to Jesus. That's all this is about. If you expect me to dance across the stage, I cannot dance. If you expect me to sing, I cannot sing. In fact, on my way here, I tried to sing in the car, and Zoe told me not to. <laughs> so what I want you to realize is that it's all about Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's important for us to wrap our heads around that as we go, because between chapter 13 of the book of John and chapter 15 of the book of John, chapter 14, 6, and it's something really profound that happens in 13, 14, and 15 that we need to see because in these particular chapters, what began to happen is that Jesus knew that his end was coming. And he needed to indelibly impact the people that he was with in such a way that they would obey and follow despite what they were going to be up against. And I don't know about you. I don't know where you are, but there's been many times where I wanted to throw in the towel. I didn't think that I can run another 100 yards, or even one yard for that matter. But I realized that it wasn't about me. It was about the promises that were made to me, the promises that I now believed. You know, faith is not about what I can see. It's what I, what I believe and who I believe in. And it's so vital, again, that as we speak about the coach today, that you realize that there has been a coach that has been sending in plays that you have been running that you have been running these routes that have caused you to go in a different directions when you should be going right, you've been going left. When he's been sending in this place to tell you, you know, um, you, know you, you should stay here when God is saying, no, you shouldn't stay here. Or you should do this when you should be doing that. And I know what happens a lot of times with us, the emotions that well up inside us cause us to stay longer in a place that we shouldn't be. We continue to do some things that fulfill that impulsive, gratifying, instant desire that all of us have. Come on now, don't leave me out here. It's important for us to realize, so what we do when we uh, read God's word here, we normally stand, and I'm going to ask you to stand really briefly. It's two scriptures I found in John chapter 14, verses 23 to 24. I want to read them out loud, because it's a good time for me to hide my raspy voice in the midst of all of you guys. So the count of three, let's read this together. Amen? One, two, three. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him. We will come to him and make us home. Him. Whatever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the one that does the me. Amen. You may be seated. I was a pretty good ball player at one time. At least that's what I was told. And I remember my first coach recruited me, drafted me, uh, went to my dad and said, um, let your son play for me, and in a couple of years he'll be up in the pros. And I was sort of bawled over by it because he didn't recruit me or draft me because I was a good kid. I was a bad kid. 
I was a hot-headed, hot shot with an attitude. I don't know, you can't believe that. But <laughs> I gotta lie to myself. But and I didn't make good grades. He recruited me because of what he felt he can do with me if I listened to him. I was undisciplined in some areas. I was pretty good in other areas. I had this talent that he wanted to kind of hone and, and get to where I would be better than what I was. And I know that a lot of us in this room want to be better than what we are. And oftentimes, we just don't know how to get there. We don't know what to do next. When we find ourselves in difficult situations, some of us revert back to what we know. And oftentimes, that's running an old play, trying to get different results, right? We're trying to run that same play, see if it works this time, right? We're going to try it this way. We're going to go, you know, it doesn't work. And what I found about that coach as I began to interact with him is that he loved me. Like he generally cared about if I was running the streets, if I was doing drugs, if I was staying out late, if I was not, you know, in the gym when I was supposed to be, if I was not, um, you know, playing well with other kids. Like he was genuinely concerned about me. A coach does that. He leads by, by example. He instructs, he encourages. And something about Jesus Christ that you have to begin to see and begin to embrace in your own walk now. That he leads by example. We find that in chapter 13 of the book of John where he comes and, and he says to his disciples as he's getting ready to, you know, he knows he's leaving. He knows that he's going to now have to go to this cross. He's going to have to suffer. But, but he takes this towel, he, he drapes it over his hands, and, and he begins to wash their feet. And he's, what he's saying is, be like me. He's saying, follow me. I'm going to lead by example. I want, you to, I want you to do what I do. I want you to be servants. In this society today in which we're so accustomed to getting, it's, it's like we're in this, you know, we, we read the scripture like, you know, live the abundant life, and everybody thinks, yes, abundance. That's what I need. I need more and more and more. Listen, what you need more and more and more of is Jesus Christ. That's all you need. You're going to find it that the more you pile up, the more you, you um, accumulate things, those things, instead of them, you having them, they're going to have you. Those possessions that you try to possess will possess you eventually. And it's so important for us to understand because what begins to happen as his coach is leading, as Jesus was leading his disciples, as he was speaking, and he's still speaking to us. In a very loud voice, he speaks to some of us. In a very still, quiet voice, he speaks to us. You just got to shut off all the white noise. You know that solitude is a scary thing for many believers? Being still. Two minutes go by, and then the voices come. And then the community in your mind begins to rumble. This is okay, I gave you two minutes, that's it, I gotta go. It's important for us to just be able to be still and listen to what God is saying through his son, Jesus Christ, in these days. Why? Because in the days of old, he reveals himself through the prophets. Today, he reveals himself to us through Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is read the stories of Jesus. It's important for us to understand. So I'm not about resolutions. 
You, you want to have a resolution. You want to lose some weight. Why do you want to lose some weight? What about simply understanding that this is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Ooh, that's a new one. This is the body that God wants to use so that you can go further and do more than you ever imagined. What about just losing weight for the fact that it belongs to God, that this is his body, rather than trying to fit into that Speedo or that, you know, bikini. I know some of us just got some pictures in our heads, right? But think about that. Just losing weight so that you can be healthy. And by the way, that is a core value of Recovery House of Worship in Brooklyn. So what about taking your resolutions? What about taking the goals that you want to accomplish and wrap them around your core values, what you value most. Because I got to tell you, when you wrap your resolutions around your values, you will accomplish them. It won't be two weeks of stopping to eat ice cream. It won't be, you know, White Castle. How many people like White Castle here? Come on, don't cringe your face. Come on. Come on. Double cheeseburgers, okay? All right? Bite size. You can wolf down around 30 in 20 seconds, right? <laughs> But, but think about that. Think about our ability to show some discipline in some areas that we have been unable to show some discipline. And not because we want to impress someone else, but because it's important, because it's grounded in a value that I have. If you have a value such as knowing who Christ is and tapping into the power of his resurrection, how do you find that out? Spending time with him. Being with him, listening to what he has to say as he reveals it to you through the scriptures. Everybody wants this abundant life, right? All of us do. And what does abundant life look like? Because that's what this coach came to bring. He came to bring us this abundant life, this idea that you can live out this life in such a way that your cup would run over. And not financially, not, you know, um, when I think about the abundant life in my own, man, I just want to be able to love others. Come on now. I just want to be able to love others, especially when they are unlovable. And, and we've heard it. Like, like, like our love tanks run really low, and we're really short with the people around us. And that's because we try to love on our own strength. We, we, don't, we don't listen to the coach. You need love, I'll give it to you because I'm love. You need patience, I'll give it to you because I've been patient with you. The Bible says he is long-suffering. That, that, that means no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God still loves you. And he's patient with you. And he waits. Even when you decide to go left, he still calls out to you and says, okay, come back into the huddle. Let's do this all over again. This is the play you should be running, okay? Can we, like, tear up that playbook? Can we tear up that play? Can we kind of change the way you think? Because in reality, that's what coaches do. Coaches draft and recruit not so much because of your ability, but the potential that they see within you to fit into a system that has now been created to get you to be victorious. That's what coaches do. 
So it's not how good you are or how good looking you are or how much money you have or how strong you are. They draft you according to the philosophy and the program that's been established and put you in that place and say, okay, this is going to be your position. So don't say you love God. Don't say you love me if you're not going to play your position. No, 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 but I want to play this position. You know why? Because the TV cameras, they really point to that position. I, I want to be up here where you are, Pastor. I, I, I want to be able to be seen. You know what I love about Christianity, what I love about coming to Christ, is that it's a progression as you are obedient. I'll say that again because some of you missed it in case you want to Twitter it. It's a progression of your obedience. If you are faithful in the little, he will give you much. Because you've been faithful in the little. Even more so, I love this part for me personally. If you're faithful with someone else's stuff. Come on now. Because it all belongs to God, doesn't it? You're a steward. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. So if you're faithful what he's giving you, he will give you more. We see that in the story of the talents. Right? Where, where, you know, he gave distributed talents and somebody buried it and somebody used it. He took it away from that person who buried it and gave it to the person who used it because the person stepped out on faith and trusted that when the, when the manager came back, when the owner came back and asked, what did you do with what I gave you? He was able to say, look what I've done. And a lot of us have to realize, what has God given you? What talent, what ability has he given you? What position does he want you to play? Where is it that he wants you to be? Because here's what happens. You, everyone wants to be blessed. Everybody in this room wants to be blessed. Everybody who's listening to you, everybody who's watching me wants to be blessed. But nobody wants to be in the position to be blessed. Nobody wants to be in that place so when that blessing comes, you're there to receive it. You're more concerned about how they're being blessed. In fact, you're even talking about their blessing. Rather than being in position to say, okay, God, his God is my God. Okay, it's coming. I'm ready. I'm ready. Throw me the ball. I got it. I'm ready. Why? Because you're in a position, not only in a position to be blessed, but you're also rejoicing because of success and the blessing of others. See, in order to play on a team, you have to be unselfish. I'm sorry. I insulted a couple of people in the room right now. Being unselfish simply means that you think of others more than you think of yourself. That you leverage your resource for kingdom impact. Whatever it is, your time, your talent, and your treasure. You can't take it with you. So at the end of the day, you want to be selfless. You want to be able to say, God, here I am, use me. So when the coach beckons and brings you on the team, here's what he has to do. Most coaches have to decide to sit with their players and begin to go over a playbook. And I won't dive into the playbook. There's a philosophy he has. And he begins to meet with his team before they even get on the field. And he has conversations, and they draw X's and O's, and this is where you're supposed to be, and that's where you're supposed to be, and this is where you're supposed to go, and you're supposed to go left, you're supposed to go right. And what happens when you don't go left and you go right? Someone gets hurt. Someone gets hurt. And that's why I said that this is not about football. It's not about any athletic competition. When you're not in a position as a father, as a husband, someone gets hurt. 
When you're not in position as a wife, as, as, as a door, you, someone gets hurt. When you decide to slide into someone else's lane, you're now taking up a space that was not supposed to be yours. So it's important that as the coach continues to reveal himself, he says, all I want from you is not sacrifice. What I need from you is obedience. So now he recruits you. He puts you on his team, right? And now he realizes that you were playing for this other coach. And this other coach was all about being selfish. And you know those stars, right, guys, right? The guys who are now doing dances and double checks and all that stuff, and, right? They dance around. I mean, they're the funniest dancers now, right? In the end zone and stuff like that, right? And, and, and the coaches begin to hone them and pull them over and say, you can't be that way. That's not what we do here. It's not how you can be here. This is what this organization is about. What you used to do before, that's not what we do here. The play you used to run before, we don't run it here. How you acted over there, you can't act over here. Most players that get cut from a team is because they don't buy into the philosophy. And they could be super talented people, but they're undisciplined. It's all about them. Beautiful talent, but it's all about them. And when you come onto a team, you got to realize that it's about community. It's about us working together to accomplish that what we can't accomplish by ourselves. So the coach comes in and says, okay, now, this is what we're going to be doing. I want you to realize that in doing this, what's going to happen is that some of us are going to get hit harder than others. But in the midst of it, because we're so close together, you won't feel it. Now, you're not listening. You guys are asleep. No. Can we crank up the AC in here so we can, you know, freeze some people out of this room? Or do we need to stand up and do some calisthenics? You've you got to understand something that for a long time, listen to me, you need to fire that coach. You're still operating in a place in which you're being selfish. It's all about you. It's what you want, what you do. You're acting on impulse. You're resisting the fact that you shouldn't be with that person. Um, you're resisting the fact that you shouldn't be spending your money in there or spending your time over there or doing this or doing that. That's what that coach wants you to do. He wants you to keep in that area. He wants you to be complacent. He wants you to be unproductive. He wants you to be unfocused. He wants you to be unbalanced. He doesn't want you to accomplish anything. He wants to keep you in your current state of mind because your misery wants company. And, and you will draw other people into that. You ever get around people like that? It's like, oh man, there they come. Right? Like you got to stay away from them. And no matter how uplifting you are, two minutes with them, and you're like, oh, why did I do this? Why, why did I do this? And you, but it's bad because you try to stay away from them. And hey, God, screw away, Pastor God's gonna come. And I'm like, okay, now I gotta do my pastoral service here. And I have to listen. And guys, don't get me wrong, I love listening to your stories. But not over and over and over and over again. Because how do you gain the victory? if you stay in this place? How do you get the victory? Again, obedience, progression. I'm getting better. 
I'm getting better. The more repetition of me staying in God's word, the more repetition of me showing up, the more repetition of me being involved, the more repetition of chucking that playbook and firing that coach and coming into a new organization, new philosophy, I begin to run plays that are going to lead me down the field and eventually I can say, touchdown. But you have to listen to the coach. Forget about resolutions. And the beautiful thing about this about this whole recruiting that the coach does. You didn't choose him. You didn't come knocking on the door and say, here I am. He pursued you. He went into that crack house to find you. He went into that hospital bed. He went into that institution because someone took a service there. He went into that program. He went and chose you. You weren't the fastest. You weren't the best looking. You didn't smell the best. You didn't act the most sincere. Come on now. But he chose you to be on his team. And now you come on his team, but you still have your own plays that you want to run. We don't talk about sin too much, right? We kind of uh, psychologically play around the gospel, and we begin to use the word problem. Uh, I have a problem. I have a disease. I have a defect. Um, I have a shortcoming. <laughs> Now, the reason that problems and defects and diseases and shortcomings are more convenient than sins is that we don't have to do anything about them. See, if you only have a problem, you can get sympathy. Somebody will hug you and say, oh, that's just the way you are. You get some understanding for it. You probably even get professional help. But sins, on the other hand, need to be confronted. You have to have a confrontation with it. You have to draw a line and say, here and no more. So a resolution for me is just for us. Stop sinning. You say, oh, but, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. That's not what it means. I'm not perfect. You figured that out all by yourself? <laughs> you see, when we begin to change the vocabulary of things, what we begin to do is we begin to rationalize, justify, and explain our behaviors as something that is normal. We are all made in the image of God. The coach comes in and says, this is who you're supposed to be. And you're saying, no, but I've been running this play for so long, and I really like running it because I'm so comfortable doing this. And he says, I know you're comfortable, but what have been the results of you doing that? What has been the collateral damage of you running that play, playing with that coach, playing on that team? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a loser. You see, I've been stigmatized, and 
labeled by society for a very long time. I, I needed to switch teams. Now, people are dumbfounded by who I am today. Even people that I hurt, they're like, what happened to you? You're a different person, and a true story. I remember uh, running into an old friend, and it wasn't an old friend. I didn't even have friends. Sorry to say that. Um, I didn't have friends. Where's Ray? I didn't have friends, Ray. Okay, I'm confessing. He's always asking me if I have any friends. Um, I, I didn't have any friends back then, so I wouldn't use the word friends. But apparently something had happened between us, so much so that when he saw me, he started to run in a different direction. Okay? And I was so excited about what God was doing in my life that I wanted to share with him. And I don't know if he thought I wanted to hurt him, so he ran faster and faster. <laughs> I finally was able to catch up with him. He was like, okay, 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 okay. And I was like, hey, man, I just want to let you know Jesus loves you and I've changed. And he was like, like that, with that look, that quizzical look. Why? I changed teams. I wasn't running with that team no more. It wasn't about me hurting people, taking advantage of people, using people. Come on now. All right? It wasn't about that. That's the play I was running on this team. That's the coach's directions on this team. Why? Because he comes to steal, rob, destroy. That's what he's come to do. So along the way, that's what he uses. He uses all this stuff to get you. He causes you to sabotage your relationships. You know what scares a lot of men around here? Love. Right? Love requires commitment, requires change. We guys ups to give up some things, right? No, no, I want to keep all my numbers and still be with you. Really? You know, I don't want to be exclusive. I don't know what monogamy is, you know? I want to keep all my money, too, right? You know? I want to keep doing what I'm doing. No, that's that playbook. That's that coach's instructions. And what has it gotten you? You, haven't able to, you have not been able to sustain a single relationship that matters in which you've been unselfish, caring, devoted, and responsible, let alone committed. So the coach is screaming loudly. And in the scriptures that I read, it says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So, again, I go back to this whole thing. You love him? Are you keeping his word? Because it's come a point in our lives now in James 1.22 where it says, you got to just stop being hearers of God's word. you, you got to stop coming here and just listening to sermons over and over and over again and not allowing them to wash over you, get in you, and change you. Something's got to give. The plays that are being sent in, the coach is saying, this is the philosophy of this team. If you love me, the way I'm going to know you love me is that you keep my word. And some of you are raising your hand, well, I don't know his word. Why not? It's available to you. There's no excuse for us not to know God's word or at least read God's word. It's a funny thing. I've been asking some questions, some really deep questions to some really sincere people in my life about these two books. I'm going to get really controversial right now. I've been asking questions about two books. One is the basic text in the Bible. And I've been asking questions of people who are deep in recovery. And some of you are looking at me like, what's the basic text? And some of you are looking at me even funnier, what's the Bible? 
But you're quick to criticize one book that you haven't opened up and read. And not realizing that when you look at the other book, it's only been around for a short time. This has been around for a very long time. And I'm not here criticizing the program. I know it's a God-given program. Some of you don't. I know the program is meant to get us to a place where we can look up and identify eventually. In fact, in that book that we read, it says that by divine precepts. I think I read that. I read that. Some of us are nodding. Some of us need to go back. What page is it on? Right? So, so, so it's beginning to understand something. This book, and I don't want to get into the playbook because somebody else is going to preach about that later on, but the coach wants to put this playbook in your hands. And he wants you to dive into it. And once you begin to realize that there are plays in here that if you run these plays and if you listen to what the coach is saying and you keep his word, you're going to be successful. You're going to sustain relationships that are healthy for you. Listen, young ladies in this room, if, if the person you're with is not respecting who you are in its entirety and still wants to change who you are, Exit sign. Find it. That's why they're lit up. So that even in the dark, even in the dark, you can find them. It's important for us to understand. Because, and I don't want to, I don't, this is not therapy, you're not laying down on the couch. But the coach wants to dive inside of you and deal with some of the issues of our lives and our failure to comply is not because we have a problem, it's because of sin. And the coach accepts us how we are, brings us on his team, and, and, and you know, says, okay, you know, I know where you've been, I know what you've done, I know what you're gonna do, but if you just give me an opportunity, if you stay here long enough and just listen to what I'm saying, because what I'm saying brings life. That's what it does. The word of God brings life. It revives. You let it wash over you and get inside you. I'm more alive today than I've ever been. I'm not medicated. I'm not high. I'm not sniffing anything. I'm not on anything. You know, I'm just, I am, I am stoned to the bone. All right? See, I already told you how old I am. But, but just, just think about that. Like, like, I am so excited about life today. I got people in my life that care about me. I got a wife of 30 years. 30 years. Now, you should all shake your hands afterwards, okay? Because God did not recruit me for who I was, but what I could be if I listened to him. And guys, along the way, I had to shed some grave clothes. I had to shave, shave some things that were holding me and keeping me from reaching out and speaking up. You know, the number one issue of breakup is you don't talk to me anymore. Right? Remember, you used to talk on the phone all the time? Right? And all of a sudden, you start hanging out, and you know, you're committed to one another, and you're not talking anymore. Your car rides are silence. You're listening to music rather than talking to each other. You go to movies and watch the screen rather than talk to each other. Now, 
I just gave you some dating tips. Some of you are looking like quizzical. If you can't have a meaningful conversation with the person you're with, then that becomes a big problem, doesn't it? So the coach gives you what to say. The coach gives you conversations to have, conversations that are edifying and affirm one another and lift one another up and encourage one another. Let me tell you something, and this is not to boast in anything. When my wife speaks words of affirmation to me, I grow wings, bro. Like, like, like I can dive off the Empire State Building and think I can fly. <laughs> but when she speaks words that are not, it wrecks me. So the words we speak to one another and vice versa, when, when I speak words to her, I mean, there's nothing she won't do. She said, honey, what do you want me to cook you today? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, more than that. <laughs> you know? But when I don't speak to her correctly, I got to tell you, man, Antarctica is, 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 is better to be at than around her. Because you get this ice cold look. You know that look, right? <laughs> you know that look you get? That's why words, we're responsible for our words. I didn't learn that with this coach. I didn't learn that playing on this team. I learned it playing on this team, listening to this coach, that things matter, the things I say matter. I can't get those words back. My turnaround here is a lot better. Over here, I said something, I don't care. That's your problem. You deal with it. Over here, I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? So I had to call some friends up and say, okay, guide me on this. Hey, can you give me some flowers? You know, whatever it is, let's just do something here. So I have to have a quick turnaround here. I can't let it, why? Because over here it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Over here, you're angry, baby, have a drink. Leave me alone. I'll talk to you later. I'll see you tonight. All right? Or I won't call you for a couple of days. But over here, I'm like, okay. God talks about oneness. That's his daughter. I got to work this out. Okay, God, what do you want me to shed? What do you want me to lose? What you want me to get rid of? What play you want me to run? I said, Lord, I don't want to run that play, please. He says, yeah. That's the one that's going to give you victory. That's the one that's going to get you where you need to get to. And sometimes it just may be a yard. It may just be a foot. It may just be an edge. But you know what? You're closer to where he wants you to be than where you currently would be if you don't take that step. See, the coach is Jesus, and he goes on to say, listen to me. And my father will love him, and we will come to him. Now, listen to this. We, plural, will come to him, that means you and me, and make our home with him. All right, you, you didn't get that one, right? <laughs> Let's try it again. I'm excited about this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That's the first part. And if you keep my word, this is the benefits of it, my father will love him, that means you, that means me, and we will come to him and make our home with him. There's this dwelling that happens in us. God begins to abide with us. He creates this abode with us, and he creates these conditions in which we can grow and bear fruit. 
Now again, I told you that John 14 is between 13 and 15. In, four, in 13, we see him being a servant. In, in 15, we, he talks about bearing fruit. How? Abide in me. Listen to me. Obey me. Don't be just hearers of God's word. Let's be doers of God's word. Let's get, listen, give me a chance, he's saying. You're on this team now. Learn how to obey what I have to say. But, but I don't know what you have to say. Why not? If, you, if you've come from this team to this team, why is it you don't know? Stop reading those self-help books. Stop dialing AAA. Stop sitting in front of the TV and listening to Oprah and Dr. Phil. Don't do that. Dive into God's word and begin to see. There are so many devotionals out there for women, for men, for married couples, for teenagers, for children, for babies. There's, there's a plethora of stuff that you can tap into so that you can begin to hear God's word so that he can begin to push out the philosophy of this coach out of your mind and out of your heart so that you can grow in the victory that he wants you to grow in. Listen to me. We can recover. We can be in healthy relationships. We can be good stewards with our finances. We can. And this is not a political axiom. You can. But you come on this team, and, and the coach sends in a play, and he says, okay, we're going to do it this way. And he says, nah, man, I, I tried that already. I tried that already. You know that consistency is something that we have to practice? Day in and day out, being able to get up and do those things that we don't like doing. You know, over here, I was extremely selfish and self-centered. That was the coach. That's what he taught me. That's the plays I was running. When I got money, I spent it on me. Whatever I wanted, whatever I wanted to go, whatever I wanted to do. But something began to happen. Again, I talked about this uh, obedience and progression, and, and I swung over to the other team. I got recruited by the other team. He chose me. He loved me first. And I come on this side. And over here, where I used to spend money foolishly, now I have a family. I have a family over here. And I got a landlord that I can't say God bless you to. On the first of the month. <laughs> okay? I do. <laughs> but he still says, okay, bless me. <laughs> right? So I had to learn how to manage what God had given me. Some of us have become homeless and destitute, not because of any other reason, except we didn't realize it didn't belong to us. That's what this coach tells us. It's all yours. Eat, marry, and, you know, be happy. Do what you want to do. It's all yours. It's your life. It's your body. Do whatever you want to do. Don't worry about it. Everybody else is doing it. This coach. The coach I'm telling you that you need to fire. The coach I'm telling you that you need to get rid of. On this one, this coach says, you're your brother's keeper, aren't you? Over here, look, you look out for number one. Take care of yourself. Over here, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Over here, man, you know, you heard about what she did and he did. Man, she's crazy, isn't she? He said, Lord, I pray that you would help her to grow in your knowledge. See, I'm not talking about her. I'm talking to him 
about her. Over here, it's murmuring and gossip. Over here is heartfelt prayer that God will move in a person's life. See the difference? This coach is about life. This coach is about death. This coach is constantly promising you victory but can't deliver it. This one already has. He's already delivered the victory. All you got to do is walk in that victory. It's so vital for us to do that. So again, he chose you. You didn't choose him. Our failure to comply is not a problem but sin. Our disobedience is sin. So I want to be able to give you several points that are in your sermon map that to be on this team and having Christ as your coach, there are four things that I guarantee will happen to you. With Christ, with Jesus as your coach, you will be more focused. You will. Because what begins to happen is you realize my life is not my own. It belongs to him. So now I'm going to him and what he wants me to do and not what I want to do. That's a big deal, guys, that everybody understands in this room. It's no longer about you. It's no longer about what you want to do. It's what God wants to do for you and through you and despite you. You see, what's going to happen to me, listen to me, it's going to happen to all of us. It's God is doing something and will do something. You can be part of it if you choose to. You could be more balanced. You could be more productive. And you could be more fulfilled. This coach promises you all kinds of things but can't deliver. Promises you happiness, fame, success. At what cost? At what cost does he offer these things? That you go off and pursue all these things. Who raises your children? Who cares for your wife? Who cares for you? Because you're out there all alone and when you trip, there's no one to pick you up. This coach says, listen, I already have it all. I already have everything you want, everything you need. I got it for you. I just want to build you up in such a way so that when I give it to you, you don't squander it. You, you don't fall on your face in such a way that you don't get back up. And you know what I love about it? That he will come and abide, create this abode. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to come alongside you, and hey, when you fall, I'm going to pick you up. You don't know how to run this route, I'll help you to run it. You don't know how to love, I'll show you how to love. You don't know how to live, listen, watch how I lived. When you're feeling down, I'll encourage you. When you need an embrace, I'll send somebody to embrace you. When you're feeling lost, I'll send the light in the sky. When you're in darkness and you don't know what to do, I'll provide you with an exit sign. Can you be able to see? I don't know about you, but for a long time I listened to this coach 
For 29 years of my life, I've caused so much collateral damage that even today I'm dealing with those consequences. But I believe what God says, that my latter days will be better. That in my older days, I will run and not grow weary. That although this body continues to die, my spirit lives and grows. So I just want to encourage you, fire that coach. You're running plays that, that are not yielding the results you want. And at the same time, he's not about winning. He's about looking good. This coach is about winning. Winning. I want to win, I want to win, I want to win. I'm tired of losing in my relationships. I'm tired of losing with my finances. I'm tired of losing with this habit that has ravished my life. I mean, ravished. I mean, when you look at pictures and you look and you say, man, I remember this young little girl. And then you look at what happened. You're like, how did this, how did this happen? This coach, this coach lied to you. He said, you can have it all. And the coach here is saying, I have it all. I have it all. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Amen. One of the great things about Jesus Christ that kind of moved upon my heart and upon my life had been this. And he died for me. He came, lived among us, suffered, was persecuted, came up on a cross, took upon every sin, past, present, and future, every disease, every manner of sickness, every infirmity, every human condition that had caused me to squander my life. He took it all upon himself. When he said, it is finished, it is finished. I didn't believe that. I thought Jesus was too far for me to reach. But it wasn't for me to reach him. He reached me. He found me. He came for me. So if you're in this room and you don't have Christ in your life. You're visiting this church is not for any other reason. Listen, our bathrooms are not that good. It gets a little warm in here. The chairs are not that comfortable. Here's what you'll experience in this place. There are people in this room who love Jesus Christ. There are people in this room whose lives have been changed because of Jesus Christ. So if you're in this room, and you don't know Christ, you haven't said yes to Christ. 
I want to give you an opportunity today to say yes to Christ. Now, here's what I don't want you to get caught up with. You're not going to jump through the roof. You're not going to run down the street. But you will leave this coach and become a player for this coach. This coach wants to harm you and hurt you. This coach wants to give you a hope and the future. So if you're in this room and you don't know Christ, all I want you to do is shoot up your hand. Right where you are, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to worship. We're going to then go to the fellowship hall and spend some time getting to know each other. But, but let me tell you something. You're in this room right now for no other reason except to allow Christ to come into your life in a very real and powerful way. And I know that right now, if you're in this room and you're kind of sensing that, you're looking around and you're still concerned about what people think about you, get, get this. No, we don't. What we care about is that you come to Christ. What we care about is not what you look like, what you're acting like, but what's been done for you. There is a coach right now that is choosing you, recruiting you for what you can be, not what you are right now. So are you in this room and you don't know Christ? Just shoot up your hand right now and I'll pray with you. Amen. Praise God, brother. I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just want to pray with you, brother. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, right now, there's a celebration in heaven because someone has been able to confess that you are Lord. That they are a sinner and they fall short of your glory. So right now, Lord, as he confesses, as he repents, as he cries out to you and say, come into my heart, Lord. Take control of my life. I pray that you will empower him. I pray that you would captivate him in such a way that he will be moved to follow you. Lord, give him focus. Help him to be balanced and productive and fulfilled in knowing that his name has been written in the book of life. Lord, as a congregation, we thank you. We thank you for moments like this where we get to celebrate our brother coming to you joining this family. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen and amen.